today's episode of the Tobacco Cessation Podcast. I'm your host, Anne Julio. Today we're going to talk about some gaps in accessing tobacco cessation services and ways to fill those gaps. The 2020 Surgeon General's report on smoking cessation found that a majority of smokers make a quit attempt every year. Unfortunately, only about one-third of those individuals that make a quit attempt use either an FDA-approved cessation medication or counseling. One way to help bridge that gap and to encourage more people to utilize counseling or to access cessation services is to utilize clinical care extenders. So you might be asking, what is a care extender? A care extender is a non-physician professional working in the healthcare setting that can provide some sort of healthcare service. In this case, we're talking about tobacco cessation. These care extenders have clinical training and work as part of the overall care team to provide, again, in this case, tobacco cessation treatment, both in the form of counseling, and then in some circumstances, if they have prescribing authority or if there's a standing order, help guide that patient to the appropriate medication as well. I recently spoke with Carolyn Kranos from Massachusetts on how their state Medicaid program expanded the number of providers that can bill for tobacco cessation counseling and what impact that's had on their Medicaid population. I really hope you'll enjoy the conversation that I had with Caroline. She was a fascinating person and really shared a lot of great information that I think will be really helpful to you and your work. Thank you. Hi, Caroline. Would you mind telling us a little bit about what you do and um, a little bit about yourself? Of course. Thank you, Anne. Um, I work at the University of Massachusetts Chan Medical School at the Center for Tobacco Treatment Research and Training. I have two roles at the center. Uh, First, I'm the director of our accredited tobacco treatment specialist training program, and I'm also the manager of our contract with the Massachusetts Department of Public Health Tobacco Cessation and Prevention Program. In that role, I work with healthcare providers to implement our QuitWorks program. And QuitWorks is a patient referral and reporting service that allows providers to easily refer patients and clients who use tobacco to our state quit line. And I work with providers to help them develop systems and uh, programs to treat their patients who use tobacco. Thank you so much. That was really helpful. Um, A number of years ago, the Massachusetts Medicaid program allowed tobacco treatment specialists to build the state Medicaid program for tobacco cessation counseling and be reimbursed. Can you speak a little bit to that? Sure. Now, this was part of a larger regulation on health care reform, and it was passed in 2006. And this expanded, expanded health care insurance by creating the Massachusetts Health Connector. It also expanded some mass uh, Medicaid services. As the law was being drafted, advocates from the tobacco um, advocacy groups in Massachusetts worked to include tobacco use disorder treatment in our state Medicaid program. And we call that program Mass Health. So I'll be referring to that just because that's how I know it. And this was a legislative mandate to include tobacco uh, treatment in MassHealth. But MassHealth really wanted to promote these benefits. I mean, they could have just published a bulletin, but they did a lot more. So the director of MassHealth at the time knew what was happening in advocacy space in Massachusetts. And they wanted this to be inclusive and effective. So they brought in subject matter experts to help craft the benefits. 
And this team included members of the Department of Public Health, the Department of Mental Health, and state advocates and experts. And they worked to consider how the benefits should be structured and how it would impact services um, that were provided in the field. And so they really wanted it to be a robust benefit. So it included all FDA-approved cessation medications. And um, at this time, there are no prior authorizations required for any medications prescribed up to 90 days. Um, there is prior authorization for more than 90 days. And they also allowed for reimbursement for three types of counseling, individual, group, and by phone. And they created three tiers of these benefits. So an individual intake assessment visit of 45 minutes could be reimbursed, counseling for at least 30 minutes individually, or group counseling for 60 to 90 minutes. And finally, they wanted to make sure that tobacco users didn't have to jump through a lot of hoops to get benefits because we know that's really common. So they decoupled the counseling and medication benefits. Now, we know the most effective way for people to um, get treatment is using both approved medications with counseling, but not everyone is interested in counseling and they thought that could be a barrier. Um, so they didn't want to force them to get counseling to get medications to remove that barrier. And uh, finally, they wanted to expand access to counseling. So they included reimbursement for practitioners that were not considered eligible providers by the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. So in our benefit, tobacco cessation counselors are allowed to bill for providing services as long as they have at least eight hours of training from an accredited institution of health education, um, higher education rather, and they're working under the supervision of a, of a physician. Um, so they must be under the supervision, uh, supervision of a physician and that care can be provided at a community health center, um, an ambulatory care office, or outpatient hospital department, such as a cardiac care unit. That's really very, uh, it's really a very cool approach to kind of how the Mass Medicaid program and Mass Health integrated tobacco cessation into a number of different types of treatment as part of that broader healthcare reform. I'm just kind of curious, um, you know, how have some of those hair extenders, including some of the tobacco including the tobacco treatment specialists, um, been integrated into the broader care team? You mentioned that they have to be under the supervision of a doctor um, or a physician. Yes. Yep. So it is important to note that the regulations require that tobacco treatment specialists work as part of a care team as um, provider extenders. And how this integration is done has really varied among sites. And part of my job is to work with healthcare sites to think how they can be integrated because each site's going to be different, their workflow is going to be different. Um, and so it's really important to just help sites understand what works best for them. So there are a number of different models. Um, some sites have set up tobacco treatment programs to which providers can refer patients for counseling by TTS. So um, we used to have a tobacco counseling service, for example, that any provider in our institution could refer people to. Um, and that counseling can be billed on the same day as other services provided. So if, for example, uh, somebody goes to the provider for a follow-up on their high blood pressure and uh, they say, yep, you know, I am willing to talk to someone, it could happen on the same day and still be billed. 
Uh, we also recently trained several pharmacists that work at a community health center. Now, pharmacists on their own can't bill directly through our Mass Health Benefit, but because they were trained as TTSs, they can be billed if they're referred to um, from the doctor so that if they're filling a prescription for some type of nicotine replacement therapy, they can now counsel and, and really take the time to talk the to the tobacco user about how it's used, about what their concerns are, reasons they want to quit, and, and so on. Um, we've also trained medical assistants and community health workers who work at clinic sites. So because of this benefit, you can train a wide variety of, of care extenders. TTSs don't necessarily you know, need to have medical degrees or degrees in behavioral uh, sciences. And so it has opened up the number of individuals who can be trained and really meet the needs of individual tobacco users. That's really cool. So you don't have to necessarily go specialty by specialty to get um, those individuals recognized as billable providers by MassHealth. You can they, individuals can just do the additional training, get the TTS certification, and then be able to bill. Exactly, and I think that's really an important thing. Uh, to note and that we can offer. Uh, for example, as training program director, I know we train people who have various levels of education and experience, including physicians and nurses, but also maybe community health center uh, folks, community health workers or peer specialists that may not have a lot of traditional education. And we know they can be effective in the field. And I think that just gives them the ability to meet the tobacco user where they are and really have more, be more effective in community. That's really cool and such an innovative way to kind of look at this and to look at a broader issue and really have a very unique way of doing it. Um, and one of the things that's been, you, as you mentioned, it's been a number of years since Massachusetts has added this training and expanded these benefits. Um, what are some challenges and some successes that you faced since then? Well, with respect to successes, I mean, I, at UMass, we train a lot of tobacco treatment specialists, and I know, um, you know, most of them are employed in the field and providing services. So I think there are folks out there that are providing these services. It was hard for me to get a full understanding of how often those codes are used. Um, and, you know, one of the barriers to that and challenges, I suspect they're not being used as often as uh, we would hope. Um, I think the medication benefit is used much more frequently than the counseling benefit. Um, and one reason for that, which which is, is perhaps a barrier, but I think there's a good reason for it. When this benefit was created, we put a minimum number of minutes of counseling as 30 because they really wanted tobacco treatment specialists to work with tobacco users in depth. Uh, we also created a 45-minute intake interview so that folks can be uh, reimbursed for really getting to know that individual, understanding what their barriers are to quitting and helping to create a treatment plan that works very well for that individual. We also know, however, in clinic settings, that 30 to 45 minutes is a lot of time for some individuals. Um, they may not want to, to talk to someone for that long. There may not be a system in the clinic for someone to actually provide that level of, of service. Uh, what I find interesting is that MassHealth, the folks at MassHealth 
really do want this benefit to work and are, are really working to get it reimbursed. I recently was on a call with them, with folks from our Department of Public Health, and we asked about grief intervention because originally in this benefit of interventions from three to 10 minutes billed on 99406 were not covered. And when we asked them if they would be willing to cover it, um, they said yes right away. <laughs> and so now our benefit does include that brief intervention, and I'm hoping that it will be used more frequently um, because of that. Now, one of the other successes I think we see, um, as in I think probably most or if not all states, um, meth, health or you know, Medicaid enrollees are more likely to be tobacco users than, than the population overall. But we have found that um, a, a large number of mass health smokers reported making a quit attempt in, in the past year, according to 2020 data from the Massachusetts Behavioral Risk Factor Surveillance System. And this is actually higher than the percentage of all Massachusetts smokers who made a quit attempt in the past year. And over 39% of Medicare enrollees who, I'm sorry, Medicaid enrollees who reported a quit attempt, over 39% reported successfully quitting, which is, I think, higher than the national average for Medicaid enrollees. You know, unfortunately, this is significantly lower than the percentage of all Massachusetts smokers who reported successfully quitting. But, you know, looking at tobacco use through a lens of social determinants of health and racial and health equity, I, I don't think it's unfortunately. There are a lot of barriers for folks in quitting. It seems like you've had a lot of really good experiences um, kind of with the new benefit, or not new anymore, but with the um, enhanced benefit. Um, but what advice would you have for other state tobacco control programs that are looking to add, um, you know, additional providers, including tobacco treatment specialists, as uh, billable providers in their state? Sure. Well, I think a few things come to mind. Um, first, I really like thinking about tobacco treatment specialists as clinical care extenders because we know providers already feel overburdened by the demands of short clinical appointments. And so services by TTSs can be provided outside of that 15 or 20 minute clinic window. So it really helps providers focus on other topics and needs of the tobacco users. And second, you know, these regulations were passed before I was working in the field, and I was happy to hear from many people um, at how well MassHealth, Department of Public Health, advocates, and content experts really work together to form the best benefit. It's really important to think about the team that will be working to develop this. Um, MassHealth included those content experts and folks working directly in care delivery with MassHealth enrollees. And they really listened to what would be helpful in the field and were responsive to that. And they are continuing to you know, listen to experts in the field, um, considering that they just expanded benefits to include those brief interventions. And finally, we do have standards on how tobacco treatment specialists are trained. There are accredited programs throughout the country. And now that most of them are training virtually, there's a lot more accessibility to that training. And we have found, as I mentioned before, that a wide range of individuals are successfully trained as TTSs. So I think when developing these programs, it's important to think how you want people to train, who you're training, and that can impact 
know, how services are provided in the field. It's really important to recognize that, you know, so many mass health enrollees um, are dealing with a lot of other issues and have other health concerns, and we really need to meet folks where they are. Um, and so training a variety of individuals will allow us to better serve our, our mass health enrollees. Is there anything else that you want to add or share with other states as well? Sure. Yep. Um, we did do a study that was published in 2010 that looked at the first two and a half years of this benefit implementation, and we found that um, the estimated smoking prevalence declined by subscribers uh, by about 10%, and we looked at uh, the pharmacy benefit and found that that was associated with a significant decrease in claims for hospitalizations for heart attacks and acute coronary heart disease. And the other thing I wanted to note that as great as this benefit is, we recognize there are some limitations. And one of that is that it is can only be used by medical facilities. People need to be under the, the, the work under the supervision of a physician. So there is now um, actually a bill being discussed in our state legislature that would look at expanding this so that folks working in substance use disorder clinics and behavioral health settings will also be able to be reimbursed under the counseling benefit. Well, it sounds like you guys have been doing a lot of really great work and are continuing to push new and innovative ideas um, and hopefully help a lot of smokers quit. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Tobacco Cessation Podcast, and um, we hope to have you back again at some point. Thank you very much, Anne. That was a really fascinating conversation, and I learned so much from Caroline. I hope you did, too. Here are a couple of things I took away. When improving a benefit, it's important to do a lot to publicize the new benefit, not just issue a bulletin or put something in a press release, but really do a full court press on making sure providers and patients and families know about new benefits. Another thing I learned was that it was important to bring together a number of different specialties when designing a benefit, making sure that it works for everyone. And the third thing I learned is there's still more work to be done to really help improve and enhance that collaborative approach to healthcare, especially when it comes to tobacco cessation. Thank you so much for joining me today. Again, my name's Anna DeGiulio, and this has been another episode of the Tobacco Cessation Podcast. <music>